Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Quick note before we begin, the Finding Genius Foundation, as part of the Finding Genius Podcast, has recently completed a book about understanding viruses. So the creation of this book was to interview 100 virologists, ask them a lot of deep, difficult questions, take the most difficult questions, and then re-interview the top 25 or so and ask them the hardest questions I could think of. And we compiled that all into a book. So you'll see question and four or five experts' answers. Question, four or five experts' answers. There's about 30 questions in the book. I think it's a great read for the layperson and for the researcher. talks about a lot of speculation in the world of viruses, such as are they alive or not, and why is it important? Uh, Why do viruses go latent or hidden or ineffective or sit in a person or an animal or another creature for weeks, months, years? and then suddenly become virulent and affect that person. Uh, so there's a lot of really provocative questions in the book. It's now on Amazon. So if you go to Amazon and type in Finding Genius, you'll see the book on viruses. It's also on Kindle. The Audible version is in production and should be ready in approximately a month. But if you want to go and order it now, uh, you can do so again by going to Amazon or Kindle or go, go to findinggeniusfoundation.org and go to Publications. There's an opportunity as well to get the transcripts of all the interviews and to hear the original interviews themselves. If we had put them all together, the book would be about a thousand pages, but we condensed them down to make it juicy and concise and tight and very interesting. So I hope you'll check out the book. Uh, we're now working on one about cancer, but this is going to be our goal is uh, three times a year to come out with these masterclass books that I think will inspire new scientific research. And I hope you'll check it out. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Dr. Sam Robinson. Uh, He's a research fellow at the Institute for Molecular Bioscience in the University of Queensland in Australia. And we're going to talk about venom biochemistry. So, Sam, thanks for coming. You're welcome. Great to be here. Yeah, well, tell me, what, what got you interested in studying venom? Yeah, it's a good question. I um, it's it's kind of random actually. My wife booked me a surprise weekend away. I was I was working as sort of a, a as a research te- technician where I grew up in Auckland. My my wife came picked me up from work, took me on a weekend away. We went to this beach uh, in northern New Zealand, and as I was walking along the beach, we spotted these jellyfish washed up. They're these I think in in America you call them the Portuguese man of war. Um, so these blue we call them blue bottles, and they stink quite mm. bad. So it. it they just sort of captured my interest. I went home, I, as you do, you get on Wikipedia and you check out what these things are and, and what they do and stuff. And, and jellyfish are very interesting, actually. They're bizarre. But, but one feature that was, was really interesting was that they, uh, they're, they're sting. So they have these little venom organs called nematocysts or little venom-producing cells, and they, they sting, which we knew about this jellyfish. Um, anyone who grows up near the beaches knows that you don't want to get stung by them. They hurt a lot. But one thing that um, caught my attention, I, it was probably also on the Wikipedia page, is that there was there was this link to this this group of research, or more a field of researchers who were studying the the venom um, or the toxins, 
And they were using that information to either, you know, first of all, the first thing it would do would tell you something interesting about that animal, how sort of its biological story, if you like. But it also, by knowing what's in the venom or the chemistry in there, some of these things were being exploited as tools to, to use to understand the human body at the molecular level. And the other thing that, that really fascinated me was, was some people, some researchers in this field were using different toxins actually as medicines. So they're figuring out what was in the, in the venom of some of these animals and, and applying them as medicines, which I thought was really, really interesting. So what's, um, I mean, are you studying a particular creature or are you studying venom in a whole bunch of different animals? What's your yeah, focus? so my research program is, is pretty broad and it, it hasn't always been this way. Um, so it's sort of in the last few years, I've set up a program that I think is probably unique to me. And what I'm, what I'm doing is systematically exploring venoms of animals that sting or bite and have really painful stings or bites. And what I'm looking for are toxins that, that uh, cause pain. So the specific toxins in these venoms that are responsible for causing the pain. So I should say that like a venom to us, it just looks like a clear colorless solution, a little drop of usually colorless, sometimes they're milky or yellow, but really it's just a small colorless drop, but actually they can have, you know, a whole cocktail of different toxins in them doing different things. Some of these toxins are used for capturing prey, for example, but as you know, if you get stung by you know really a multitude of things, um, take a wasp or a bee, for example, it hurts, right? It it can hurt quite a lot. Well, what Um, makes it hurt? What what chemicals have you found that uh, cause it? Yeah, right. So that's exactly it. That is my research question really is is asking when you get stung by this wasp, it really hurts. And what is it in that tail of chemicals that actually is is acting on your body and making you feel that pain. And it's something that, um, you know, hasn't really systematically been looked at. And I'm trying to trying to address that by looking at a whole range of of stinging biting things you know all the way from little ants up to giant stinging trees that are you know over well, if you, if you look at the um, if you look at the chemical constituents of venom across a whole bunch of different creatures what commonalities are seen and what uh, divergences are there? Are there families of venom? You know are they all yeah. completely different? Like what do you observe? Okay so uh, venom is you know, there's, there are millions of venomous creatures out there. Venom has independently emerged over a hundred times uh, in the animal kingdom alone. Um, so there's a hundred different venomous lineages out there. You know, you've got snakes versus ants or something like that, right? And each of those are using different building blocks, starting with different building blocks to, to uh, you know, chemical building blocks for their venom components. So they're, they're starting from a different base. And um, what you what I've seen looking at, at individual components is there's a lot of convergence on a similar function. So, uh, for example... When you look for the toxins that cause pain, often you find things that are uh, cytolytic, so toxins that will actually come in and destroy cells. And these this results in pain, pretty instant pain, actually. So, for example, you know the two examples I gave: an ant. A lot of ants, the main pain causing component in their venom seems to be uh, these cytolytic, little cytolytic peptides, so mini proteins. Whereas in in cobras or spitting cobras, um, for example, they have these different family of peptides, completely different structure, of uh, you know different chemical structure, but they have the same mode of action. 
but another target that I've, I've come across a lot and it's, it's converged in a whole bunch of different lineages to target something called a voltage gated sodium channel. So these are these little membrane proteins. They sit in our, in our nerves and they're responsible for basically sending that pain signal from the end of your nerve up to your brain so that you feel pain. And, you know, they, they, they cover the entire length of your nerve. So what, a strategy that um not really a strategy but a but a, a chemistry that these these venomous animals have converged on is to is to either activate these these specific channels these voltage gated sodium channels to overstimulate them or to to keep them open so it's a really common target um this thing and it's it's very very effective at causing pain some of the most interesting stings cause some very odd pain symptoms it's due to this due to targeting this channel in different ways well what do you mean what is it like why does it cause pain have you mapped that out or figured it out yeah well that's again that's what i'm doing so yes basically what what i'm trying to do is i'll take the toxin i'll like first of all identify what's in these venoms so that's i mean that's i've spent a lot of several years figuring out how to best do this and now i can do it quite well is to to basically figure out everything that's in that colorless drop of of liquid um, and then i tease out the individual components that are causing pain and i try and understand how those are working and you know what targets they have in our bodies and then i try and understand how acting on that target causes pain so what's the link between targeting that say that iron channel and the pain that you experience so what kind of creatures are you studying the venom of i mean there's millions like you said so what's your subset and what do you yeah, know about okay. them? what makes them a comedy how'd you identify them? before we continue i've been personally funding the finding genius podcast for four and a half years now which has led to 2700 plus interviews of clinicians researchers scientists ceos and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Basically, just by getting stung or reading about people that have been stung. So you you interviewed Justin Smith recently, and he um he sort of pioneered this this field of getting stung by things. Um, he is an entomologist. He was most interested in the Hymenoptera, which are, are ants, wasps, and bees. And I think over his career, you know, decades, he got stung by these things, and um, he started realizing there was a difference between different stings, and what he did was record all of that information. Um, and so that's just been a goldmine for me. I can look at what he's recorded and he says, you know, this one doesn't really sting. This one stings a lot and this one stings even more. And it has a, has really odd sting symptoms, for example, and that sort of stuff. I can then go and, and find that creature and confirm that it does have very odd sting symptoms. And then, uh, and then that's that's all the motivation I need to think, you know, this venom chemistry is is has got to have something interesting in it. 
and it's worth my time to study it. And I've, I've expanded. So he, he specialized in Hymenoptera. I've expanded that sort of field to look at a whole range of different stuff. So again, I've looked at ants and bees and wasps, but uh, I've also been looking at different stinging bugs, uh, like true bugs, assassin bugs, things like that. Different. One of the most interesting projects recently actually has been these stinging trees from Australia, which are fascinating. How did the stinging trees happen? Is it though? The leaves sting you or how does it happen? They have these little needles all over their stems and all over their leaves, basically all over the plant. And um, even if you just brush them, the needles, they work like little syringes and you get injected with the venom and it's, it's intensely painful. Anyone, they're, they're actually local to our area. So if I go up into the hills around Southeast Queensland, uh, there's rainforest and these plants grow in the rainforest. And um, yeah, it, anyone who goes up hiking there is familiar with them. They have all sorts of different names like uh, ankle biters are the, the little ones that'll brush your ankles as you're walking. And, and the uh, <laughs> one of the names is suicide plant. And um, it's a bit of an urban legend that um, someone who got stung once actually preferred to preferred suicide over, over putting up the pain. Cause you know, I'm pretty sure it's a myth, but um, anyway, the, the pain the pain lasts for hours and hours and hours. And then um, once it's gone, you can actually bring it right back just, a, you know, a few weeks later by getting the sting site um, cold again. You know, if you put a bit of ice on it, the, yeah. the sting pain will come shooting right back. It's, it's sort of, you know, reminiscent of some visits to the dentist. Perhaps that, uh, It's pretty bad. But anyway, there's fascinating chemistry behind what causes that. And that's one of the well, projects. Well, that's an example, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, so that plant, the stinging tree, we we went and uh, figured out what was in that venom, what was causing the pain, and there'd been all these myths about it. You know, people were thinking that it was just this physical damage. You get these needles in your skin, kind of like fiberglass, and they'd stick around forever. And one of the suggestions that was being quite widely used was to take sticky tape or, or wax strips and um, try and pull these needles out. <laughs> Uh, what we found was that um, actually it's a specific toxin in that venom that targets these voltage-gated sodium channels, what I mentioned before. And it, basically, these channels are responsible for sending a signal along your nerves, um, your pain-sensing neurons um, up to your brain to experience that pain. What this toxin does is it locks them open. Um, so they just it's like holding a, a light switch on. They just keep going and going and going when they should be switching on and switching off and switching on and switching off. Um, they just keep yeah. going. And th- that explains the long lasting pain. That explains why you, you experience the, the pain for hours and up to weeks. And, and that explains why people started using sticky tape or wax strips to try and, uh, to try and get rid of the, what they thought were needles still stuck in their arm, but it was the toxins still having its effect. Have you looked at the microbiome of any of these uh, animals or plants? that produce venom to see if there's uh, any special microbes that can help them produce it? Yeah, I haven't personally. Um, what I look at is the the toxins that are genetically encoded by these specific animals. So you can take the venom-producing organ and extract all of the, the DNA that's responsible for producing these toxins. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. And you can read that like a book and identify 
um, what those toxins are. It's a really cool, quick approach. There are researchers out there who are looking at the bacteria that are present in, in these mixtures and seeing whether those contribute to toxicity after bites. But um, I'd say in my experience, most of the time it is toxins directly genetically encoded within that animal that are producing um, most of the effects of that venom. Okay. So what's, uh, I mean, I don't know, do you have any hypotheses that uh, you're actively testing that you're trying to figure out or like what's, you know, what are you literally focused on at this moment? And, you know, what are some of your intuitions or thoughts? I guess the stuff I'm working on now is, is sort of what I explained. Um, you know, there's literally millions of things I could be studying. Um, what I'm doing is finding the, the stings that produce the most interesting symptoms, you know, they might produce a really characteristic pain, like a long lasting pain or, or like what I described this, what's called cold allodynia, where you experience pain if you apply cold later. And I think these are the ones that are going to tell me the most about how our, how our pain sensing nerves function at a molecular level. And really that's, that's the ultimate goal is to understand our uh, pain signaling and that example you gave where you put a, a cold pack on someone and then it, you know the pain mm-hmm. comes right back what's the mechanism mm-hmm. and why yeah so that's that's exactly what i want to figure out basically we know that the toxin targets this specific channel we know that that's responsible for the pain we just don't know how and that's surprisingly complicated to figure out but <laughs> we will get there we think there's some cofactor involved oh i was gonna say yeah what's your intuition yeah that's so a, we, we think be. there's another there's another protein in our body that um, contributes to it. And it's something that, you know, it'll be something that we know exists in our body. We'll have the genetic sequence of it, but we we basically won't know what its normal physiological role is. And, you know, if we can figure that out what that is, figure out how it's working to cause this weird sort of pain, then we've basically achieved our goal in that setting. And that is to, to find a new target um, for pain. And I should mention, people are probably wondering, actually, why, you know, why, why are you interested in finding out things that cause pain? Surely there's limited applications. Wouldn't my time be better spent looking for things that relieve pain? And the thing is, these venomous animals, they're not interested in relieving pain. They have, you know, their venoms are finely tuned to cause pain. So that's what the toxins are there for. So there's not a lot of use searching for toxins that are going to relieve pain in chemical mixtures that are full of chemicals that are going to cause pain but um what i've what my hypothesis is is that if you can figure out what these things are that are causing pain how they work you can identify new pain targets and that will allow us to develop drugs against these new pain targets and you know there's a huge variety of pain that we can experience and often there's like no cure or no treatment for some of these pain states. And, you know, perhaps we're using opioids or something similar at the moment to treat these sort of pain symptoms, but opioids have their problems, um, which is, of course, uh, addiction. And at the moment, we're going through an opioid epidemic. It doesn't get the headlines anymore, but far more people die from from opioid use than um, pandemics at the moment. It's it's a real issue, and what we need is new creative strategies to to identify new pain targets and and come up with better treatment options for some of these pain states. Yeah, if you can evaluate what the, the, the chemicals are and their method of action to cause pain, then you can find the treatments for it. You know? Exactly. I mean, though, how closely is the method of pain causation with these venoms to other pains that we would get? Obviously, I'm really interested in the, in the sort of weird pain things that some of these toxins can cause. Um, and one of these, you know, there's, there's a whole range you can, you can some of these things will sting you and it feels like you're getting an electric shock it's quite amazing some of them will 
cause this really long lasting inflammatory pain. And one of the one I was describing, the stinging tree causes this pain where you experience what's called cold allodynia. So where you wouldn't normally feel pain and you put something cold on it, that pain comes back. So actually that, that cold allodynia is a major symptom and a major problem that comes with taking some chemotherapy drugs. So say, for example, someone has a certain type of cancer that in order to, to kill that cancer, they have to take one of these chemotherapy drugs. And one of the most common side effects of, of a whole range of chemotherapy drugs is cold allodynia. So you get this weird thing. If you drink a glass of ice water, you'll get this shooting pain that you shouldn't, you wouldn't normally feel, or even if you just get a little bit cold. And what happens is, is that these, these patients who need to get rid of their cancer, they'll actually stop taking these chemotherapy drugs because they can't put up with this cold allodynia. Actually, we have no idea what the mechanism is behind that side effect. But by studying these venomous animals and the toxins they produce that cause those symptoms, we're actually building up a, a toolbox of things to to try and figure that out. Any insights from uh, you know researching the venoms that you looked at already? I mean, does this give you any uh, any ideas of what mechanism of action could be, or it could be anything? Because I mean, are, ven- are venomous mechanisms of action incredibly divergent, or are they all are they grouped into similar types mm-hmm. of uh, you know again? Yeah. Yeah. So there seems to be two main groups. One of them is just cytolytic activity. So just killing cells and that causes pain. Uh, The second group is targeting these voltage gated sodium channels. So these are what that tells us is that these are, these channels are really critical to pain signaling. And this is, this strategy has converged over multiple lineages to, to target them. But even in saying that different, because different venomous animals are working with different starting building blocks, they're coming up with slightly different strategies and chemical strategies. And this means you get slightly different effects when different, say a toxin that targets a sodium channel from an ant does it in a slightly different way to one that targets the same thing from a, from a stinging tree. And they cause slight different pain, different pain states as well. So these toxins can be really great tools to figure out what some of those finer details are of, of having an effect on this iron channel and how that translates to a different pain state. But yeah, I've, I've been able to find some um, different mechanisms of action as well. So one of the more recent ones is it is from an ant, an Australian ant species, and that species contains in its venom mostly cytolytic toxins. So things that just sort of cause general pain without a specific target. But what I've found is it's also got Got this specific chemical in its venom that looks exactly like a hormone from Australian marsupials. So this ant is is endemic to Australia. Its main predators are Australian mammals, which which by and large are, are marsupials. And so what it's got ended up in its venom is this chemical that almost matches uh, a signaling hormone in these in these Australian mammals. And what I think that tells us is that, um, and this is something I'm I'm still sort of in the middle of exploring, is that that the the target of that chemical, which is a specific receptor that is probably involved in pain signaling. And I've managed to get some good evidence that um, it's actually involved in chronic pain. So really long lasting pain. And what I think the toxin in this venom is doing is it's activating that channel and that's actually sensitizing neurons. So pain signaling, it's, it's making your neurons more sensitive to the effects of the other toxins. And you know, it does this over a long time period. 
sort of up to 24 hours. Um, so that was a new mechanism of action. It's something I'm trying to unravel. And if, if I can confirm that that is a pain target, um, it will represent a new pain target um, and something that may be druggable as well. Well, how are you going to make the bridge between understanding the mechanism of uh, pain causation and then creating an antidote to it? Yeah, right. I probably won't. So my goal is to just validate these things as a pain target, but there are plenty of people out there who are interested in, in finding new pain targets or seeing new pain targets out there and who are very good at designing drugs to target these in this particular pain target there are already drugs on the market that are being used for other stuff um, so it would simply be a matter of testing whether those drugs work in the context of chronic pain and um, there is some evidence out there that, that they probably do i'd need to confirm that or someone else would need to confirm that okay well very good sam what's the best way for people to learn more about your work where can they go you know probably if you just google sam robinson uq you can you can find me but uh maybe i think what people would find interesting is i have a, a twitter account or instagram account account if that's your thing um so that's at sting science and there I, I post all things related to sting science and my research okay well very good sam thank you for being on the podcast i appreciate it sure if you like this podcast please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on itunes you've been listening to the finding genius podcast with richard jacobs if you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.